0: Hi everyone, Sandman here. And I'm coming to you today from snowy Canada. I'm buried by about a foot of snow. And all of the pictures you see here today are of the suburban wasteland surrounding my area. As people's waistlines have grown over the last forty to fifty years, so is the size of the houses. They went from this, to this, and then finally into this. Now there are monster homes everywhere valued over a million dollars. Personally, I believe the stories that James Howard Kunstler says, when he typically says that suburbia is the greatest misallocation of resources in the history of the world. We took all of our post-World War II wealth and invested it in a living arrangement that has no future. Suburbia exploded into its mass-produced cookie-cutter fashion after the Second World War ended. But the real question is, why? Why did all those soldiers returning from the war want a house with a garage and plenty of room for children? America had so much wealth after the Second World War, and it was the only place with factories still running, and mass production of houses eventually replaced the mass production of munitions after the Second World War. With all that money pulsing through the North American economy, wives didn't want to live in scummy inner cities anymore. The inner cities were dirty, smelly, and crowded, Women wanted the suburbs so they could have a place for their children. Before the birth control pill was introduced in the early 1960s, a woman knew that if she got herself pregnant, it was game over. So the idea in the 1950s was that a woman needed to get a proper nest as fast as possible, with extra bedrooms and playrooms and plenty of storage room for a baby. Men wanted sex without condoms, and there was no pill or abortion until 1973 promiscuity was not possible on the scale of today because the risk of pregnancy was much higher. A house in the suburbs was the price a man had to pay for regular access to sex, and most men were willing to do it because they worked during the day away from home and then came home where their wives would have dinner prepared for them and the children taken care of. It was her nest. She was able to accessorize and design it any which way that she wanted, But in most cases, the man had control over the finances and would dole out money like a parent to a child, giving out an allowance. This was the golden age of the beta male, the time period between 1945 and 1970. He had everything he wanted. The triangle, or recipe for the destruction of the beta male, was the pill, which was introduced in 1960, no-fault divorce, which was introduced in 1969, and abortion in 1973. These three developments in the American dream turned it into a nightmare for the beta male. It was no longer good enough for him to work hard and provide. If she didn't like him, she could take the house and the kids and get a divorce. What seemed like a great and good idea for the beta male in the 1950s and 1960s was now a complete disaster, and it was playing out across most of suburbia. In a way, men were rewarded for fighting a war and coming back alive. For 25 years, from 1945 to 1969, it was as close to heaven on earth for a beta male in the middle class as possible. If women got married in that time period, they couldn't leave the relationship, and they were often the ones that were trapped. Many were stuck making dinner, looking after the kids, and if the husband was a good provider and generally a normal guy, they couldn't just leave the relationship for no reason. Once the 1970s swung around, women could leave, take the house, the kids, get alimony money, and child support. So the fear of financial destitution kept many women working harder than they normally would to please their men. Likewise, men couldn't leave their marriages either. When you're looking at 40 to 50 years of your life with somebody, you don't mess around. You try to find the best person possible because you know that it's for the long haul. The social consequences of divorce were also much more serious in that society versus today. And the homes were modest back then and not as lavish. If a man said he wasn't paying for a new kitchen every five years, then it wasn't going to happen. The early suburban homes were smaller and with less luxuries. Once the sexual revolution began, men needed to buy ever-larger suburban homes to please their wives and make sure that they didn't leave with the kids and take them for all they were worth. At this point, men were the ones trapped in the relationship. The 1960s were great for most men. But by 1975, men had to get on the defensive as the laws had swung against them. By the time the 1980s had come about, the culture of the material girl was everywhere, and men were hustling as fast as they could to make money to keep their wives happy. The houses got obscenely larger. Here are some pictures of homes in the 1980s and early 90s. These four-bedroom mansions have two car garages that are basically for him and for her. It was all about his and hers. And then, in the late 1990s and early 2000s, the houses got even bigger. Today, the homes are so large and very poorly constructed. But this is the price of regular sex for a beta male provider. He has to take on more debt every year, and more than ever. These monster homes are well over a million dollars today. The bankers in Canada are salivating as men and women purchase these monstrosities and pay the interest payments on them. The taxes on them are also eight dollars to $10,000 a year. It seems that everyone around here is up to their eyeballs in debt, but it's okay because the Canadian government is insuring all of the loans, and real estate prices are going up about 10 to 20% a year. The price of regular sex for beta males is roughly 4 to 5 times the inflation rate. This is not going to end well, and many of the women I know are talking about pricing prices of houses as if they're going to go up forever. If society wants a stable place to raise children in the future, then we might have to undo many of the changes from the sexual revolution or create a new revolution. The pill and abortions are here to stay. But the only way I see things getting under control is to get rid of no-fault divorce. Once the housing bubble crashes in Canada, the divorce rates will surely rise as people lose their homes. Sex in suburbia is not sustainable under the current model of boom-and-bust economics. Many of these areas will lose equity value as the bubble pops. Americans know this all too well. In order to have a stable government and nation, things must change. Men in suburbia had the advantage in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. Women have had the advantage since then. The pendulum swung all the way from one side of the spectrum to the other. And now it's getting ready to swing the other way. And men will have the upper hand for a change. The revolution has begun and men are starting to free themselves and will continue to take back their lives. Many of us men wander the MGTOW wilderness, and at some point our numbers will threaten the very foundation of the government. We are shrugging our shoulders in greater numbers and are saying no by staying silent. We are letting women destroy themselves and this diseased and corrupt society with them. We are not happy about the situation we see in front of us, but we have no choice but to do nothing. All we can do is hope and pray that things will get far worse before they get any better. All we can do today is liberate or warn our male friends about the myth of the home in the suburbs and how it's different today than it was in the 1950s and 60s. For men to truly become free and equal, we need our own revolution with regards to reproduction and living. We need our own equivalent of the pill, no-fault divorce, and abortion. Gestational surrogacy is becoming the first of these three new innovations. I'm not sure what those other two might be. Candidates for these other options might include pornography, or the legitimization of prostitution, or possibly Mexican or Filipino nannies. I'm not sure, but men seem to have more options today than they did in 1975. Anyways, thanks for dropping by and taking your daily dose of red pills. Enjoy the rest of your day, and cheers.